0: well thanks for tuning in for the last part of our unstuck series where for the last four weeks we have been following Israel's journey or Exodus as it's called in Scripture the Israelites found themselves stuck in the land of Egypt as Pharaoh's slave laborers they were his workforce driven by taskmasters living a very difficult life God Yahweh the God of Abraham the God of their ancestors hears their cries for help hears their cries for desperation and he delivers them from Pharaoh's grip and begins a journey to the promised land. Shortly, Israel finds himself stuck again, this time at a dead end, and trapped by the mountains and also by the Red Sea, with Pharaoh's army in hot pursuit to recover his workforce. Last week we looked at this, but in our miraculous demonstration, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, the God of Israel, parts the Red Sea so that the multitude of Israelites walk across on dry land, Meanwhile, the waters return at just the right moment to wash away Pharaoh and all of his army, effectively delivering Israel from Pharaoh's grip once and for all. After this, look what Scripture says about a summary of how Israel processed everything that had just happened. This is in Exodus chapter 14, verse 30. That day the Lord, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, it says the people feared the Lord and believed in him and in his servant Moses. Having seen firsthand God's demonstration of power, Israel breaks out in song and praise and worship right there on the edge of the Red Sea. In chapter 15, this is what we read. It says, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. They said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Lord, who is like you among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. With your faithful love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. You will guide them to your holy dwelling with your strength." You see, Israel had experienced God's power. They had experienced God's deliverance of them, not only from the grips of Pharaoh, but also salvation from their enemies once and for all. Pharaoh and his army had been wiped out. They had now experienced true freedom and salvation from the one who once tormented them and drove them. But you see, on the edge of the Red Sea, as they declare God's praise, that's not the end of the story. The story doesn't end there. In fact, Israel's journey was just beginning, not just a physical journey as they would venture to the promised land, but even more so their spiritual one. You see, Israel may have made it out of Egypt, but Egypt hadn't fully made it out of Israel. Look with me at Exodus chapter 15 verse 22. It says, then Moses led Israel on from the Red Sea and they went out to the wilderness of Shur. You see, Israel had been delivered. They had crossed the Red Sea in triumph. We read in the beginning of chapter 15, their song of declaration of God's praise and his glory for all that he had done. And then we read that Moses and Israel begin a journey from the Red Sea. And it says, just three days later, they find themselves in the wilderness of Shur. They journeyed for three days in the wilderness without finding water. They came to Marah, but they could not drink the water at Mara because it was bitter. That is why it was named Mara. Mara is the Hebrew word for bitter. And so you can imagine, after three days of seeing God's power, three days later, declaring God's praise on the edge of the Red Sea, three days later, Israel finds them pla- themselves in another place where they are essentially stuck. They are stuck now at a place called Mara. They have journeyed for three days through the wilderness with no water. They finally find water and they realize that it is bitter and they cannot drink it. So once again, Israel is stuck because of water. Having seen God's power over water in the Red Sea, this time how would they respond to the waters at Mara? Well, scripture tells us in Exodus chapter 15, verse 24. It says, the people grumbled to Moses... And their grumbling was this, what are we going to drink? Now, I don't want to be overly critical of Israel because let's, let's pause for a second. Let's put ourselves in their position. You have walked through the wilderness for three days with no water. Like that is enough to make me grumpy. That's enough to make me critical. But what I find interesting is the text doesn't say they grumbled while they didn't have water. It says they didn't grumble until they found water and they realized that water was bitter and undrinkable. You see, this word grumble, it means literally to complain, but it's used three separate instances or three separate times in chapters 15, 16, and 17. Obviously here, the one we just read, they come tomorrow, the water's bitter, they can't drink it after three days of no water. And it says the people grumbled to Moses, Moses, what are we going to drink? It's also used in chapter 16. This time, the people of Israel complain. they grumble because they don't have food to eat. And we're going to read that in just a moment. And then in chapter 17, once again, the people don't have water. And so in chapter 17, the people again grumble or complain about not having water to drink. Now, we don't have time to look at every single one of these in depth. So what I want to do is I want to read the excerpt from chapter 16. This is where that same word grumble is used, but when they're grumbling about not having food, because I think it shows us a clue of what's really going on with Israel. So this is Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. The entire Israelite community departed from Elam, and they came to the wilderness of Sinai, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had left the land of Egypt. It says the entire Israelite community grumbled, there's that word again, against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Why are they grumbling? If only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread That we wanted. Instead, you, Moses, have brought us into the wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. You see, they had made it out of Egypt, but they still had Egypt on the brain. They find themselves stuck, this time without food, and they begin to complain. They begin to grumble against Moses saying, hey, you should have left us in Egypt because there at least we had food to eat and our bellies were full. We may have been in slavery. We may have been driven by taskmasters. We may have lived a very difficult life, but at least we were full. But you have brought us into the wilderness so that we would die of hunger. Look in verse 6 of chapter 16. Moses and Aaron respond to Israel, and they say this, This evening you will know that it was the Lord, it was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was Yahweh who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the Lord's glory because he has heard your complaints about him. For who are we that you complain about us? Moses continued. The Lord will give you meat to eat this evening and all the bread you want in the morning, for he has heard the complaints that you are raising against him. Who are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. So these three instances, what we just read in chapter 15, where they come to Mar, they complain to Moses, they grumble to Moses, what are we going to drink? Here in 16, what are we going to eat? You should have left us in Egypt. These three instances indicate a pattern with, Israelites, with the Israelites' spiritual journey. You see, they had begun a physical journey across the Red Sea to the Promised Land, but God was more concerned with the spiritual journey that they were on. They had seen God's power, but they had not yet learned to trust His character. And that's, I think, key for us as we find ourselves 21st century America. We live with modern technology. We are not in the wilderness. We're not in the Red Sea. And yet we all have experienced those moments where we feel stuck, where we feel overwhelmed. We feel hopeless. We feel helpless. And it's important for us to know the stuck moments in our lives often reveal the things that hinder our faith. And I think that's what God is showing the people at Mara. You see, faith for the believer, for you and I who follow Jesus, who know Jesus, faith for us is a journey. It's a journey of continual trust rooted in God's character. And so we may have experienced salvation, we may have experienced firsthand the power of God in our lives to deliver us, to save us, and yet throughout the course of our lives we find ourselves surrounded by circumstances in which we feel stuck. And it's those moments that often reveal the things that hinder us, and it's those moments in which God can use and God can work to remind us that our faith is a journey, and that journey is about continual trust in who He is, that His past faithfulness allows us to have faith in the present. So what is the response? The people arrive at Marah, the water's bitter, they grumble to Moses, what are we going to drink? So Moses, in response, it says in verse 25 of chapter 15, so he, Moses, cried out to the Lord. There's a a good point there for when we find ourselves stuck, when we find ourselves hopeless and helpless, there's a good lesson here that we cry out to the Lord in desperation. That's what Moses does. He cries out to the Lord, and it says the Lord showed him a tree. When he threw it into the water, the water became drinkable. Now we don't have time to get into all the scientific theories about how this is possible but what we do know is the wilderness in which they are traveling through is not just desert sand but it's often rocky and and so most people agree that the reason the water was bitter to begin with is because of all the dissolved minerals from the terrain that was in that pool of water. And so there are some theories out there that whatever the tree, the wood, whatever the case may be, that somehow that wood would interact with the minerals in the water and allow the water or the minerals in the water to sink down to a lower level so that what would be scooped off at the top would be drinkable. Now, regardless of how this plays out, regardless of what the case may be, it's miraculous because God reveals to Moses, hey, if you take that tree, that piece of wood, that log, whatever the case may be, and you put it in the water, the water will become drinkable. There's no way that Moses knows this in and of himself. There's no way that he had a scientific lab. He could go and test how the reactions would take place. He just simply trusted what God revealed to him. He did it, and the water becomes drinkable. What's key in this is that in Egypt, God revealed his power over Pharaoh through the plagues and through the delivering of the people through the Red Sea, but at Mara, God revealed his heart for his people. You see, God's character is to provide for his people. By making the water drinkable, God once again demonstrates to Israel his faithfulness. It was his faithfulness that allowed them to walk through the Red Sea for him to deliver his people from their enemies. That was based on his faithfulness. It was his faithfulness that provided for them water to drink that was necessary for survival in the wilderness. God's power enthralls us. God's power on display captures our attention, but it's his faithfulness that sustains us. God got Israel's attention at the Red Sea, and rightfully so, they praised him. We read about that briefly. But after being saved, Israel had not yet learned to trust that God would provide for them every step along the way of their journey to the Promised Land. So, yes, they were on a physical journey through the Red Sea to the Promised Land. That's where they were going physically. And yet more importantly, they were on a spiritual journey and God would reveal that to them at Marah and reveal that they had work to do spiritually because they had not yet learned to trust him. Look what God says to the people right after he makes the water drinkable. This is the second half of Exodus chapter 15, verse 25. It says, The Lord made a statute and ordinance for them at Mara, and he tested them there. And this is what God says to the people. His people, this is what He says right after He has made the water drinkable. Right after He has proven His character, His faithfulness. Hey, I am leading you. I brought you here. I will sustain you. I will provide for your every need. You just have to learn to trust Me. After He has proven that by giving them something to drink, after He has satisfied their thirst, then He gives them these words. He said, If you will carefully obey the Lord your God, do what is right in his sight, pay attention to his commands, and keep all of his statutes, I, God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Yahweh, will not inflict any illnesses on you that I inflicted on the Egyptians. Why? For I am the Lord who heals you. That phrase, Lord who heals you, is interesting because it's literally translated Jehovah Rapha. It means the God who heals, or the God who heals you, Israel. You see, God revealed part of his character to the people in a way that they had not yet understood. Yes, he had demonstrated his power. I am the God of power who can deliver you through the Red Sea, who can wipe out your enemies. But now he reveals about himself, I am also the God who heals I'm the God who heals the water so that you can drink it and have life. But more importantly, I am the God who heals you because I am your God. You see, in effect, God says to Israel, this is who I am. I'm your God and you are my people, but you have to learn to trust me. And what's interesting is he says, you will show evidence that you trust me. You have to learn to trust me, but the way in which you exhibit trust in me is that you would listen to my words and obey them. Look again what he says. He said, if you will carefully obey the Lord your God, you will do what is right in his sight, pay attention to his commands, and keep all of his statutes, then I will not inflict any illnesses on you because I am the God who heals you. Effectively, God says, I am your God, you're my people, you have to learn to trust me the way that we know that you trust me is that you carefully listen to my words and you are careful to do them. You see, our actions are an outward demonstration of our faith. So if our actions in these stuck moments reveal themselves as panic and crying out and grumbling and complaining, it could be an indication that our faith isn't maybe what we thought it was. So God would use those stuck moments to reveal to us that we're actually on a spiritual journey and our faith is being hindered. So he wants to take and reveal those things so that he can remove them. As further proof of God's heart for Israel, this passage in Exodus 15 concludes in this way. Then... After all of this, they came to Elam. What is Elam? Elam is the opposite of Mara. It says this about Elam. There were 12 springs there and 70 date palms, and they camped there by the water. So God brings the people from Mara, which means bitterness, to Elam. Had they come to Elam first, they would have had their thirst quenched, but they would have missed an essential lesson. The lesson, learning to trust God in every circumstance. You see, we learn to trust God when we learn that he is trustworthy. At Mara, God showed that he was trustworthy because he took that which was undrinkable and made it drinkable to satisfy their thirst, but more so to reveal his heart for his people. So they learned the lesson at Mara. And then they come to Elam because they had to learn the lesson of God's character first before they could come and just have their thirst quenched. You see, God's faithfulness is what got them this far. And it would be his faithfulness that led them to the promised land. So as we conclude this series, and I would encourage you, if you missed uh, a message or you missed a week and some of the parts of the story aren't quite fitting together for you, I would encourage you to go back and watch it because we've looked at the entire story from the time leaving Egypt all the way to the point of getting to Elam. But here's what we want you to know, not just about this message, but about the series as a whole. Like we've said, there are moments where we find ourselves stuck. Those moments of helplessness, those moments of hopelessness, those moments where there is no way of escape, there is no way out. And what we want you to know is that it's in those moments, although painful, although testing, although trying, that we see God's heart for his people and you can trust the character of God in those moments. He is faithful And he desires what is best for his people. He desires to provide for his people. But we have to know that sometimes we find ourselves stuck because God wants to reveal to us the thing in our lives that is hindering us from going to where he wants us to go. So here's my encouragement for today. And as we conclude this series if you find yourself in a place that feels stuck, just remember we may be stuck in our circumstances so that we can get unstuck in our faith. Let God use the stuck moments in your life so that you can clearly see His character, you can learn to trust Him, and He can remove the impurities so that we can walk and journey with Him a continual journey, a continual process as we walk by faith, trusting in His character, allowing Him to work in our lives for His glory and for our good. I wanna pray for us today as we close not only this message, but this series. God, I pray that through the story of your faithfulness in the lives of the Israelites, as they have been delivered from Egypt, as they have miraculously crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, as you have wiped out their enemies, as you have provided for them the unthinkable, the drinkable from the undrinkable. God, I pray that we learn from this story today that you are the same God today as you were then, that you are faithful today, that your faithfulness is a part of who you are. So God, I pray that even if it takes us getting stuck, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us in such a way that we learn to trust you against all odds, against all hope, when there seems to be no way, God, that our faith would be in you and we would see your glory and your power on display as we allow you to work out the details, we allow you to lead us, and we simply heed your commands, we simply listen carefully to what you say, and we learn to trust you to take that next step to follow you wherever you lead. God, we love you, we thank you for who you are, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.